Welcome to the Peaceful Power Podcast. I am your host, Andrea Clausen, and today I have Alex Shep on with me. She is a registered dietitian and nutritionist and personal trainer. So Alex and I have known each other for a few years now. She is the dietitian over at Fitspace, um, also locally here where I am. So today I'm super excited to chat kind of everything pre-postpartum with Alex. Uh, before I kind of get started, I figured I would quick uh, say hey and let you kind of just say a quick hi to everyone, Alex. Hey, everyone. Thanks for having me, Andrea. Yeah. So first, let's get to know you a little bit more on a personal level. So I want to do like four little kind of rapid fire questions. And the first one is, so she has three boys. And I want to yeah. know, what is the best thing about being a boy mom? Ah, oh, boy moms, they love their mom. <laughs> like I'm just kind of the cool mom and I get to be the only female. Love it. What was your favorite thing about being pregnant? Um, oh, rapid fire. I'm not doing a good thing at rapid fire. Let's think. No, this is um, fine. <laughs> yeah, my favorite thing about being pregnant, I think it's so fascinating what your body can do. Um, just all the, just the growth, you're going a completely new human and all the changes your body can go through and all, and just the, the new learning. I just love the new experience and wading through that newness, you know, and just exploring it. I love it. What about your go-to meal for you and your boys? Ah, go-to. Okay. So my family calls this mom's combo, which is really funny <laughs> because um, it's, it's always a version of what I call a one pan, like skillet meal, because I like to wash just one dish. Mm. And this is something that everybody will eat. So it, uh, here's like a, the base, but the variation can always change. So it's always um, some version of a chicken or turkey sausage. And then we utilize like a sweet potato or butternut squash is cubed up and you saute that with either Brussels sprouts, some kale, onions, garlic, and then a cooking oil that typically is ghee or coconut oil. And it's just all right in one pan, saute it all together, season a little differently if you need for a few different veggies. And, but usually the chicken sausage gives you enough flavor and that's what we eat. Oh, I love it. That's easy too. Great yes. Idea. Exactly. That's like a, Oh, forgot to thaw out some meat and, what can I throw together? I love it. And then final rapid fire. What is your favorite family weekend activity? Lately with the weather being so wonderful, we like to explore waterfalls or um, some simple hiking adventures. So um, like Minnehaha Falls type of thing. We love going around locally and finding something that my kids can trek along and it's not like crazy hiking, but then we can always find a waterfall. Mm, I love it. And I have yet to be over there. And it's literally, I could walk there myself right now. Yeah. <laughs> that is on my list. I have to get there. Yeah. totally. Uh, so kind of diving in now a little bit deeper into, you know, who is Alex? And I first want to kind of know, how did you get started with um, studying nutrition? Oh, good question. You know, I, it's so interesting because I was very um, inclined or really looking towards it when I was even in high school, we had to do the senior project about digging into a career field. And I got hooked up with some um, local dietitians and I was an athlete and was always interested in how to get my body to perform better. So my initial interest was sports nutrition and dug into that. And when I went to university of Minnesota, Mankato, that was an option right away. And there's only like three or four schools in the area that, um, 
even like those surrounding states that had dietetics as an option. And so I jumped right in and just didn't look back. Mm, I love it. And fun fact, Alex and I actually played basketball against each other in high school, which is crazy. <laughs> we found out years later because we were talking basketball and I, my, totally someone from her team broke my nose. <laughs> so uh-huh. I don't think it was Alex, but it could have been. <laughs> it very much could have been, but I don't know. I don't remember. <laughs> I know. Gosh. So fun fact there. Yeah, fun so fact. talking about food, I feel like this one can be such a tricky subject for, you know, so many people, what is kind of your overall food philosophy? Ah, that's, um, that's evolved over the years. Like I said, I've been digging into nutrition, uh, for quite some time. And now I really have a philosophy of just a real food, whole food approach and that we need to um, customize nutrition and nutrients to each individual. There's just no one size fits all approach. I know we even throw that, um, phrase around a lot now. And it's just, it does ring true, even though it sounds kind of cliche that we don't have this one size fits all, but really we're trying to dig into each, each individual's um, life pattern. I believe whether, whether it's somebody's lifestyle or their support system, or even just their unique makeup, um, we, we need to support that with nutrition. And so it's really about how do we put in more of what we need versus remove what we think is bad for us. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I love that. Um, what about for people who might be like, gosh, I want to eat healthier, but they just get stuck in that actual execution of it. Like they're just saying, yes, this is going to be the week. And then they just can't quite get there. Yeah, that's, um, definitely a sticky point with a lot of people that kind of have that all or nothing approach. And Mm -hmm. we need to view food as a process, um, versus like I'm all in or I'm all out. Um, because, there's so many factors that play a part of food, um, whether it's stress or it's just time frame, it's your work, it's your environment, so many things. So I really love the approach of like, what are you able to change now and what's feasible and let's change that and slowly make all that behavior shift and um, get ready to dive in. And the other side of it too is that's a big part of why I jumped into my job is we need coaching. We need accountability. We need a support system. So it's, it's allowing somebody else to do some of that thinking for you and help you kind of hold your hand along the way. Mm, I like that, the accountability piece, because I think that that does play a factor. And I think that can kind of take out some of the, um, you know, judgment of ourselves. And we're like, oh, I can't seem to do this alone. And having that accountability, you know, buddy being like, hey, no, everyone has these downfalls on occasion yeah. in one area of our life. It could be food. It could be the workout. It could be career path, who knows, but there's always something that, Hey, having someone, you know, helping you, that's, oh, that's nice. Sure. And it doesn't even have to be, um, like, I don't think we always need to have one-on-one support, but there's so many ways we're trying to even incorporate group, group work. You know, mm-hmm. it's like, how do we build on each other as we all, you know, whether you've got a mom's group that's trying to connect and and really change some nutrition patterns, um, or even some workout patterns, like you said. So if we even bring our support system in and work together on that, everybody's more successful. Um, so it doesn't always have to be looking at, okay, do I hire someone in for help? Yeah, granted, and there's the bias that I have there, but we, <laughs> we just need to bring in others. I think it's just involving others in your journey makes things more successful. Yeah. And one thing I like about the group programs too, is usually like when you're having those, you know, small groups, people bring up concerns that you might have that you might not, you know, have felt comfortable to say, or 
thought of something that you actually are struggling with, but you just hadn't really put thought to that. And someone else had asked the same question. So that's one of the things that I've seen as a benefit of group coaching. Totally. I, yeah, definitely agree with that. And there's people that are just in different stages of life. So when you can connect with somebody else on that level, it's so powerful and you're able to provide a different insight and a different understanding that just makes us all feel a little more, a little less vulnerable because we have somebody that's empathizing with us. Yeah. Um, you know, one of the things that I think that a lot of us sometimes struggle with, myself included, I am back on point now that it's kind of transitioned into that fall season as we're recording this, but meal yeah. planning, you know, during the summer, late summer, especially, I totally fell off the wagon of my meal planning. And I could tell, like, I just, you know, I was throwing stuff together or I'm like, uh, last minute, like, I don't tend to do a ton of frozen dinners, but I was like, or frozen food from Trader Joe's. But that's what I was relying on. And now I'm like, okay, I'm back to cooking, back into this rhythm. But I think that's a struggle that a lot of moms have is that meal planning. So are there any tips that you have for kind of helping that, you know, especially in the evening, that busy time for, you know, getting, you know, a healthy dish on the table for everyone? Yeah, you're definitely right with it. We all get in those strange patterns and myself included. I think it just can manifest differently in all of us. So one thing I'd highly recommend, um, is first off, I try to ditch the idea of a week at a time. Most families don't run well and run super consistently at like a whole week at a time scenario because things come up, whether it's a a late play date or a random, um, you know, extra Taekwondo session or whatever it is. So if we could at least break it up into three to four day chunks. Um, So you don't have to sit down and think your meal planning session is like an hour and a half, two hours of just planning, and then you got to get the groceries for all that. It's just a lot. So if we at least break it up and get a few days ahead, then even in those few days, picking, um, if you look at your macronutrients, you got protein, fat, and carb. So how do we look at a couple bulk proteins and a couple bulk carbs to just prep and get together and use in different ways? So some main ingredients, for example, you want to get out a few um, chicken breasts. Let's grill a bunch of those up and then use them in a few different meals versus, all right, I'm just going to have my chicken and broccoli three times in a row. It's like, no, here's chicken with this spiralized noodle salad. Here's the next day in lettuce wraps. And then the next day it's um, inside of a sandwich or however that works. So just getting a few things prepped, a lot of potatoes roasted at one time. Um, get some of your quinoa pulled out, things like that. Um, these are all like brilliant and I don't know if I've ever thought of any of them. So <laughs> that works great. Like I don't prep like in bulk and I'm like, why don't I do that? That sounds great. Yeah, and like, not everything does great in bulk because that also throws people off if they have to prep fully in bulk and then get mm-hmm. everything in small containers. But the things you know you're going to use yeah. um, in a few different ways and then you can add in some herbs you can add in different flavors you can add in the veggies that don't require as much of the chop in the prep um but i think it's it's definitely just like picking a few that you want to get done and have organized and then you fill in the holes uh, and it allows for some spontaneity that way too so you're not just getting bored of the same pattern you're like oh great i can have the brussels sprouts a little more shredded this way and i'm going to eat them cold this versus tomorrow night the brussels sprouts are going to be completely roasted and in a Buddha bowl. Mm. You know, so there's different ways of, of incorporating those foods. 
No, I love that. And, um, you know, breaking it up to three or four days. Cause that's, that's usually what happens to me. I like, I'll plan literally the entire seven days and I never, I always have extra food left over because of course stuff pops up in the evenings and then right. I'm like, Oh, then I just push that meal off. And then I still have leftovers from the day before that I want to use. And right. then I end up having all this food. And if it's produce, like it usually has gone bad at that point. So I like right. that idea of just those three to four days rather than thinking of it in a week, which can seem overwhelming. Cause I'm like, I don't know, like what if we decide to do something on Saturday and now I have, you know, this mm-hmm. chicken that I've been sitting out all week, I should have cooked it and Absolutely. all of that stuff. So I and like that. In a prison in their food choices. Yeah. It really like presents a little more like you want that rebel rebellion to come Mm. out like that inner rebel starts to just kind of fight it so if we can make things structured versus so um like imprisoned we have a little flexibility and some freedom but we also have that structure we have a little design to it and then we feel better like just like a schedule everybody goes back to school idea that's happening right now people feel a little more in control because they have some guidelines some structure to their life again and so it just allows for a different, ironically, more freedom when you know you have a little schedule because you know what to expect, but then you know where you can have your spontaneity. Yeah, that's, those are great ideas. What about for kitchen staples? Is there anything that you always like have on hand or some like top maybe three to five things that you recommend people to have on hand? Ooh, staples. All right. So I will answer more of a family style, kind of what works with adult and kiddos. Um, I think it's always important to have a frozen vegetable that's already pre-chopped that you, that your family loves. So my house right now, it's almost always three are in my freezer at all times. It's cauliflower rice. That's frozen. We love the Costco one or even the Trader Joe's option. And then we always have if not both, we always have at least green beans or broccoli because those are my kids' favorites. So if it's like I didn't have time to prep veggies and don't have time to do anything, I can just throw those in a pan and reheat those. Um, so that for sure is a, those are staples just to keep around. I know it won't go bad. And then um, as far as protein staples, I always have um, a beef or turkey stick for quick protein snacks, whether it's like Nick sticks or like chumps. Um, we have those around for quick proteins, especially with snacks. And then um, in, let's see, more of the fridge staple, um, I always have um, carrots. So easy for kids. Just they'll eat them. The big carrots, I think they're pretty cool. I think they're like adults <laughs> versus like baby carrots. So we always, always have that. Um, this is maybe a silly staple, but I always have mustard in multiple varieties because any dish I make, whether it's a Buddha bowl, a salad, um, even that mom's combo I already mentioned, even if it's just like a quick turkey wrap, um, we all typically kind of like mustard. It provides flavor um, and antioxidants, ironically, um, that we, it's really easy to bring some moisture and flavor into any meal. Um, so that's maybe kind of silly, but we always have that around. And another staple for my family, just because we love that mom's combo, is a, a just like chicken sausage links. So something that's nitrate-free, MSG-free, um, in case we don't have um, some fresh meat around. Perfect. Um, no, those oh, are last great. Staple, oh. Totally. We always have tuna or salmon okay. in cans. So that's always a must-have for, again, if we're not – if we're not cooking too much, we can pull out a can of salmon and make something special with that. 
I love those. Those are awesome. And I, I don't know if I have heard of any of those in particular. And well, I mean, I mostly do like the Ayurvedic. So I'm like some of it, no wonder, because it's not necessarily Ayurvedic, but I like this idea because Jalen does not eat like I do. Yeah. (laughs) So I like that idea with the beef and turkey sticks as those as snacks and then just giving them a carrot. Do your, so another, this is totally sidebar question, but do your boys, have they always ate you know, like super great. Like first, how old are each of your boys? So people can kind of get an idea. And cause I think this is a question that many moms go through is like, how do you get them to eat healthier foods? Jalen started great. And now he is like not wanting to eat all of the vegetables and stuff that I was giving him when he was younger. So how, did your boys go through any of this and how do you kind of deal with that? Yeah. Great question. Okay. So I have um, my oldest just turned six, and then I have a three-year-old and a an almost five-month-old. Um, so obviously, the five-month-old is not eating yet. <laughs> He's just with the breast milk, and um, my older two. And no, they have not always eaten wonderfully. So I'm I'm definitely in um, the same boat with most moms and navigating those channels the same way most people are as far as how to provide nutrients, how to give them autonomy, how to not um, press a food complex onto them. Um, so really making sure we're building some intuitive eaters a little bit. So they, they're reaching for things they know should make them feel good. Um, so I, we do provide options as far as, but I'm, I always try to educate a little bit on, um, why, like if I'm example, giving them an example of why we want to eat some, some protein or when we want to have veggies before we just have something sugar, just talking about, you know, if you eat that right now, you're going to feel crummy in about 30 minutes. And we've seen that mood change, you know, you know what that feels like, you know, or there's clear times that they've had fruit snacks or had some different sugar that, um, you know, we try to allow some freedom. Um, not always super stoked about it, but <laughs> it's giving them a little bit of freedom and um, trying to press them into good choices and um, at least making sure they're trying things too. Never just saying, Oh, that looks yucky. Well, you've never tried it before. You've just heard other people say that they don't like mm. this Brussels sprout or they don't like, you know, so let's make sure we're trying. Um, one thing that may help some people if um, we happen to be a little more of a, a um, sports inclined family. So we give every food at least three strikes. So just like a baseball game, um, you don't get three stri- or you have to have three strikes and then you're out. So they don't get away with anything unless there's at least three bites. Um, oh, I like that. So, cause again, not forcing a clean your plate. Cause that's, yeah. you know, I watch so many adults now that have a hard time with um, understanding their hunger and fullness cues because they were always taught to clean their plate. Yeah. So really understanding how do you connect with your body? How do you eat intuitively and be able to not over obsess about food? Um, really trying to just engage and encourage them in their food choices. Mm, I like that. And I like that idea of the three strikes. Yeah. Yeah. It is. It is helpful because they get it. They, there's, once we bring up the three strike option, they, they don't really fight that. They're like, Oh yeah, that makes sense. That's the rule. You know, three strikes. Yeah. Yeah, that's, you get three swings, you know, so let's go ahead and do three strikes. Um, and I think involving them in the food piece too, as much as it's easy for all of us to just cook really fast and throw things on the table and hurry up and let's move. But if we're helping kids to watch you meal prep or set a table and be a part of it, you, I can honestly um, forget sometimes how impactful that is because then all of a sudden when, they, when they're part of making it, they want to eat it. 
mm-hmm. they're like, wow, this is interesting. I did, I did this, mm-hmm. you know, I put this out together. I used this type of scissor to chop the lettuce, right? You know, I, I pulled out that bowl, even if they can't quite cut things yet, you know? Mm-hmm. So, well, those are great the- ideas. I like that. And like getting them, um, that was actually someone had asked that, like, what do you have them do? But, you know, getting out the bowl, it can be as simple as that. And mm-hmm. that's where they can get started. So I like that idea mm-hmm. of just getting them in there. Cause I know Jalen, anytime he helps me make, like if we make um, a banana bread or yeah. stuff like that, he's always like, oh, I want to try a piece. Cause I'm like, Oh, our banana bread's done. And then he just feels like, yeah, it's ours, you know? And then he'll, yeah. you know, tell my right. husband, he'll be like, dad, I got to try some of our banana bread. And you know, right. he takes ownership in that. And exactly. that's always great for little kids to just have their eyes open to that. And plus getting them like to learn how to cook. Cause that right. my dad still happy. doesn't know how to cook and he's in his sixties. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that's something that, you know, if you're ever a type A person or don't like mess or I think that's always something oh, yeah. that it's like, you have to be able to allow, allow some space for them to like screw up, you know, screwing up a, when you're trying to cook an egg, yeah. allowing them for- you know, screw that. Like, oh, they totally smash it. It's all over the floor and I have to clean it up because they can't. And okay. Like, so allowing some time when you know you can like slow down. Yes. Um, but it, it's definitely hard and I can't say I'm perfect at it for sure. And I always need to be reminded of slow down, allow them to help, you know, even just pour things into a bowl, stirring things up can be really impactful or shaking a jar, a mason jar that are making the salad dressing, That's things great. like that. Love it. So um, now like, let's like track way back. So let's talk about um, preconception nutrition. So before kiddos even here, so this is maybe even um, like we are actually just studying about this in our Ayurveda school at the fertility and, you know, the nutrition to mm-hmm. the mom to be as healthy as possible before even going into pregnancy. So maybe even some of that nutrition, what advice do you have for people who are maybe in that phase of their life? Ah, okay. Great question. Um, and one thing, if you don't mind, I'll preface with yeah. this. I think, um, the prenatal nutrition, anybody of childbearing age, right. Could be considered like, let's get into prenatal nutrition, not just, all right, I want to have a baby in the next six months. Mm-hmm. I want to do this in the next two years. It's like, well, let's start thinking about, uh, really optimizing my nutrition. So when that time comes, if it's ever a surprise, I don't feel like I have to backtrack. And at the same time, if like how many women are really struggle first trimester. They struggle eating. They struggle with nausea. They struggle with just like wanting weird things. When we've got good prenatal, uh, like preconception nutrition, we, we don't, we can kind of pull from reserves a little bit. So that first trimester feeling so sick, we can at least still provide our baby with good nutrients. Um, so it's so key to just make sure that we are getting in a quality amount of nutrients before we're even pregnant. And I think, um, focusing on balanced blood sugars is a big one, um, making sure we have good carb carbohydrate tolerance. And so when I talk carbs, it's not just like, Oh, what are the sweets and the cookies and the cakes and the candy and the pastas and the breads we're talking all over the board as far as if we're getting um, a balance of what's happening with fruit and potatoes and sweet potatoes and what kind of grains can we tolerate them? Can we not? And then what are we pairing them with? Are we getting in quality fats? What's the protein look like? Um, and how, what's our frequency of eating? So balancing blood sugar so we don't have those major swings of energy is really key. Um, and then what most 
people are focused on, especially that first trimester of pregnancy, which what I'm want to bring up for preconception is the B vitamin concept with all like the folate and the, the B12 um, because those are so critical for um, little tiny embryos. And if we can focus on getting a female plenty of B vitamins for just proper metabolism and nervous system health. So we're talking diving into asparagus, lots of broccoli, kale, spinach, making sure you're getting in those rich greens um, as frequently as possible, ideally on a daily basis. Um, that's really just providing a good base and a good foundation for when you do have that, um, that little babe grown inside you. And what about um, supplements for that? Would you recommend food first and then supplement or is supplementation even needed? Um, good question. So I think many times we always want to go food first. Um, when people are really digging in to, all right, I want to have this baby now. I really want to optimize my nutrition or you know what? I know my nutrition is really subpar that we want to go supplements. Um, what's interesting about supplements, especially prenatal, is um you know folate or folic acid is a big push but we don't want to mess with the folic acid anymore it's very synthetic mm. and if we put push more folate and very specifically um it's the methyl tetrahydrate methylfolate so we're looking at a totally different form to actually be the most absorbable and the most usable that we're finding with most women they need a little more support so it's just called methylated folate is a way to look at it. So you want to look at your ingredient list or that label on your, um, on your supplements to make sure it's a methyl form. Perfect. Um, yeah, it's talked about that. that is, yeah, we just talked about that in our, um, the, in my Ayurveda school, our teacher had just said the exact same thing. Uh, are there any, so if people are listening, they're like, are there any brands that you personally would recommend or know of? Um, yeah. So um, the rainbow, well, the one of the most common brands in stores is, um, gosh, is it rainbow light? I think, okay. um, that's a pretty decent one as far as like, you can find it in stores. I get a little picky with supplements because of how poorly regulated they are. Mm -hmm. So I'm looking, um, typically at brands that are um, more like orthomolecular or, um, metagenics or kind of a Nutridyne is a local, um, like distributor that has a few different brands. Um, I personally always stuck with orthomolecular and um, um, the metagenics prenatals. What about Garden of Eden? Have you heard of that one? Ooh, Garden of Eden. Yes, Garden of Eden does a um, does a pretty good job. Are you thinking Garden of Life too? Are yeah, that's it. Is it? Uh, it's at Target now, I think. I don't know if it's uh, Garden of Eden or Garden of Life. But. I think it's Garden of Life. Like it has like, it's like raw code and a few different prenatals, like the more raw real food ones. Yeah. Um, yes, I do think that's a good one, actually. I kind of forgot about that brand. I, in stores, that is a great one. Um, okay. The reason you get picky is because you want to make sure that they're like third-party tested and not all brands go that route to even pay someone to like test them. Like, are we saying what's on our label is actually inside our bottle? And so you want to make sure it's regulated and, and tested for purity. Because who wants to put things in? One, it's expensive if it doesn't work. Yeah. Right? It's like the most expensive supplement is um, the other one, it doesn't really work. Yeah. You might as well put quality into it and make sure that's safe for you and baby. Yeah, for sure. Um, so now if we're like moving now into kind of the pregnancy phase, how should or should 
maybe it shouldn't, the nutrition change during pregnancy? What are kind of those tips, like even, you know, maybe taking through each trimester? Sure. Um, well, first trimester, the hope is that maybe you aren't um, dealing with a lot of nausea or dealing with extreme fatigue. Um, but that's very common that people often have the most food aversions early on. Um, I don't know if that was your experience at all, Andrea. Um, I, so yeah, I hated vegetables and I just yeah. wanted mac and cheese, which my son it still loves. So <laughs> oh my goodness. So all three of my boys definitely struggled with pretty extreme nausea, and a lot of throwing up. <laughs> and it's so strange because at that time, I remember feeling, I need to get all of those B vitamins. I need to get all the vegetables and I don't even want to think about a vegetable. I can't yes. even hold them down. This is awful. Like what is going on? I didn't want to think about chicken. I just wanted cereal. <laughs> like what? And so that might be a way honestly, you might have to utilize some fortified options. Um, but that's again, the key, I think why being in a good nutritious, like very nutrient dense state before you're pregnant is so helpful because you can pull from stores, um, from your body's natural stores. Um, but when a first trimester, people are often thinking, all right, great, I'm pregnant. Like I can eat whatever I want. And that's just not true. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think we have to be very careful of that eating for two mentality because mm-hmm. really your resting metabolic rate only goes up about 300 calories. Um, so you might need a little bit more, um, but you definitely don't need to double your intake. And so 300 um, calories in the first trimester or... Do you um, actually, calories actually throughout most of the entire pregnancy? Okay. And you're really, it's at breastfeeding or it's postpartum that it's going to, you're going to need a lot more calories. I think that's good. So some people, depending on how active you are, you could, if you're still really um, picking up activity, you still might need even more than that with a calorie load. Um, but almost always we initially kind of overdo that. Yeah. Like how much calorie load do I need to feed my baby? But your baby really only needs about 300 to maybe 400 a day more than what you're currently doing. Yeah. That, um, I think there are just, just so many different guidelines out there. It's just confusing to people and, Mm -hmm. you know, just having in general, Hey, this is what it is. And then just knowing like 300 really isn't that many calories. Like having a couple cookies, that's 300 right there. So like, that's just you know, yeah. and then I, I like to focus a lot like first trimester as far as um, what's happening in utero is so much of that spinal cord brain development, really digging into um, what's happening with baby's spine. So all the nutrients that are affecting that number one, you need lots of healthy fat. So if you can get in nut butters, you can get in avocados, olive oil, coconut, coconut oil, olives, um, grass-fed dairy, any cheese or things that you, if you can tolerate dairy. Dairy gets kind of iffy sometimes, um, but if you can tolerate it and you can get it down, I know yogurt often um, is something that a lot of people can tolerate early on to get them both protein and some healthier fats. Um, but healthy fats are so key at the beginning. Uh, they're key throughout the whole thing, but really at the beginning when you're trying to nourish that like brainal, uh, neural tube development, that brain and spinal cord, that's huge. Mm. um little like micronutrients like chromium selenium um even yeah just really digging into like things that are nuts and seeds seeds specifically because you're getting a lot of those like minerals like zinc chromium selenium um egg yolks huge for what's happening with the spinal cord 
like really important. So people are always focusing like on really lean proteins. They're sometimes skipping yolks of eggs and that's just really not what's going to be helpful for that baby. So you want to have whole eggs and really get them in whatever way you enjoy them. Don't worry too much about hard boiled versus um, scrambled versus sunny side up versus in a quiche, you know, get the eggs in because it's really, really, really key. Uh. And then, like throughout pregnancy, I I don't even know if I had. I don't know if I had very many eggs. Sure. Like I don't. I had. Where do eggs fall on the like with Ayurvedic principles in pregnancy? Where do eggs fall? Not necessarily on it. Uh, It depends. So there's so there's kind of two camps. Some are you know kind of vegan. Others you know is okay. And so. it just kind of depends. And so I didn't necessarily follow a ton. Um, like I, I primarily, I don't eat a ton of meat. The only meat I usually eat is, um, from my, my brother's cows. And so that's usually about the only beef that I get is from his cows. And, uh, and then occasionally I'll have salmon, but otherwise I do a lot of beans. And so I do and legumes and I'm a lot with lentils, all of that stuff. That's kind of where I get most of my, I would say. And now I wasn't fully eating Ayurvedically when I was pregnant with Jalen, I was just kind of getting into my Ayurvedic studies. So, um, like if I would have another one then I'm going to be much more probably change that and actually do like a lead up. And I was not in the best, like food wise either. Cause he was surprised. So yeah. when you're talking about yeah. surprise pregnancies, like I just ran a half marathon. I was so depleted and somehow I got pregnant like right after yeah it's just like everything and so I was coming from a very depleted state which was probably not the best so and I don't know about you um but I think one thing I want to interject with this concept too is so much of food choices and so much of your thought process around food especially when you're pregnant there's so many angles and opinions on everything oh yeah when you are pregnant and you right now are just trying to like survive and you're trying to deal with your body changing and you're trying to deal with how you feel and how you look and kind of a new body image a new body awareness and so I think it's so important to keep the nutrition is as positive as you can versus as like shameful or I should, I, how come I can't like trying to keep it on like, what am I, what can I do? You know, what, what am I able to get in? What tastes good? Um, because it gets really hard if you start feeling negative emotions around food. Yeah. Um, it's make it so much harder to make good decisions when you're already not quite feeling yourself. Um, pregnancy takes us for a wild ride sometimes. Yeah. And you're exhausted. I mean, I was exhausted yeah. my first trimester. I was yeah. pooped. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I think like smoothies are a really nice option um, to pull in a lot of different vegetables if you're not willing to consume them, especially early on first trimester. And one thing that I wanted to mention too of your, when you mentioned your beans and lentils, I think fiber that first trimester is really, really key because when people are eating a little bit different and feel different, their digestion takes a toll. Um, so really making sure they're still able to eliminate and having good bowel movements early on is so key. Yes. Um, so when we can pull in um, a nice, easy like bean option and not even not too picky about how people are getting them, whether it's just a few on a salad, whether they're blended up and used as like a hummus or a dip, or you're making some type of burger out of them. Um, it's just a nice way to get in an easy to digest, typically if you can handle the fiber, easy to digest protein without overdoing like stomach acid. Cause like an animal meat will deal, will pull out a lot more stomach acid, which when you aren't feeling that well, 
that can throw people off when your stomach's already kind of in knots. Yeah. So when it's something that feels a little more gentle, um, that works really well too. Mm. Yeah, those are great. Those are great ideas. And then, you know, kind of, I guess now moving from that, the pregnancy, because I think this is also where it gets challenging is that postpartum time. Because then now you're probably not sleeping. I know most of us, mm-hmm. you know, you're not getting a lot of sleep and you just feel even more sometimes depleted. You know, you just went through right. labor, gave birth and that's, that's draining on the body. So what right. are some recommendations for that postpartum? Like what are the nu- nutrition needs that we need? Yeah. Um, first thing you're so right on that exhaustion piece. So you are really having to focus your nutrition on, I need to heal and now support not only myself in healing and energy, but also I'm nourishing our human if you're able and choosing to breastfeed. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's like, I just went through, I have a lot of like technical wounds. Even if you look at, um, the placenta actually like coming off of an, a uterus, you're actually having a wound internally, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so you have to heal that. So we need to make sure we've got protein in um, a variety of forms that has to happen to re like to heal tissue. And then you'd be surprised as far as if you think of like blood loss, a lot of people um, are actually craving high iron and high vitamin K foods postpartum. Mm-hmm. So they might be like, why do I want apricots? Why, like dried apricots? Why am I looking at, like, for, all I want is kale, which is awesome, right? Let's just load up on kale and spinach. And if they're looking for um, other like plant-based irons, you're looking again for that bean, um, bean support, or you're looking at um, maybe some grass-fed beef really way, good ways to get more iron after you've just lost some blood. Mm-hmm. Um, so supporting that in the first few days is so key and your energy will change. Um, and then you get to a few days out and now you're past that quick honeymoon high, you're past the adrenaline rush of having a baby and you are trying to survive with someone that's maybe getting up at night or all of a sudden the time is just not your own anymore. Mm-hmm. And it's, kind of looking at what's convenient and what's quick. Cause if you don't have things available that are going to nourish you and the, the quick and convenient foods are like Fritos and Doritos <laughs> and those are quick things that everybody grabs. We're going to be a little undernourished, but you're so depleted and so tired that you're going to grab those because they're right there. So how do we support things that are more like, do we um, have protein bars that are maybe more plant based protein powders? Are we using, like oats, oats are great for um, breast milk production. Can we um, have some granola made up? Um, and really making sure that when we're bringing in veggies in our into our home, or if you can have somebody in your support system bringing in vegetables, that so they're already pre-chopped, <laughs> they're pre-prepared, because you're not gonna sit there and take a head of cauliflower and chop it up when you have another baby, or you finally have time to um, get a nap in. So really taking that prep step out and allowing your, your budget to um, expand for some of the pre, pre-spiralized or pre-chopped or pre-cut up foods. So postpartum, are there any um, tests that women should be having to check iron levels or any supplements that maybe might be needed in the postpartum period? Mm, good question. Um, so you can definitely check iron or um, even some things like magnesium or um, some other simple electrolyte tests at your doctor. However, it's not 
always going to give you the truest picture of what's happening in the last like few months or even currently of your, your vitamin and mineral stores. So one of the things that we utilize and try to recommend whenever possible is a micronutrient test. Um, we're currently using an option from SpectraCell, which is really fascinating. I was lucky enough to do mine when I was pregnant, actually, um, and I'll do a follow-up one later just to really see what what am I missing and how can I target both my nutrition and supplementation a little bit. And um, me personally, I was a little bit low in CoQ10 as well as chromium, which chromium affects blood sugars. And I remember feeling like I had a lot of cravings and was like trying to figure out like, why do I want these carbs all the time? And a big part of it was getting more chromium in my body. Um, so that's something that is helpful to see where and how um, your mineral depletions happen and how to support that. Um, and, but in general, all of us are going to need to figure out how to get inflammation down without another test. Um, so there's, there's, that's definitely a, a nice testing option is getting some micronutrient support because you're not going to get a full array of testing from your doctor's office or even your OBGYN or even your midwife. You're, they're just not going to have those tools or that type of blood test. Um, so digging in a little deeper, there's one called the NutraVal from, um, Genova Diagnostics, which is a good one too. We just currently aren't using that one. Um, so we like the SpectraCell at this time. SpectraCell. And can they find that, um, you know, if they're local, they can come to FitSpace and get that done. But if they're not local, would that be someplace that a gym would have or who might, you know, they be able to get this yeah. test from? Good question. So even if you are at the SpectraCell website, if you aren't local to Minnesota, you can find uh, practitioners in the area. Perfect. And um, so you can just put in your zip code and that's helpful. But a lot of different, um, whether it's like functional medicine docs or even functional nutritionists, um, a lot of them will carry things on hand. So that's a way to find it. Perfect. Um, any last tips or um, ideas for pre postpartum, you know, nutrition tips for people out there? Well, like I mentioned, uh, I think the biggest thing is trying to keep things positive. So it's not um, making you stress out on all of the things because nutrition should be supportive. It should be something that we're, we're always um, kind of using as a shaming tool or being more frustrated. Um, so again, just keeping things on uh, how can you support your body and really keeping a positive focus so it's not throwing off. Um, how you feel, how your energy levels are, and how your body image is. And then there's just one thing that we didn't fully touch on is just the anti-inflammatory approach. When your body's going through so much pre and postpartum, we've got to bring the inflammation down, whether it's good hydration, it's omega-3s, it's using things like cilantro and ginger and turmeric and you know herbs and spices to really support the anti-inflammatory process in your body because your body's going through a lot. And then you're tired and there's more inflammation there. And then you're stressed and there's more inflammation there. And then you're working too much. There's inflammation there. So it's, it's definitely a, a piece of the puzzle that has to be addressed. Yes. I can relate to all of that happening during my postpartum <laughs> time period. Yeah, yeah exactly. And you don't always know better. With like your first pregnancy, you're like, I don't know. It's all new. It's just how it is. And then I'm like, and oh. you kind of, you have more of that like initial, adrenaline and motivation because you can just like read up and dig in at first once you finally realize okay I don't want to like step up the game but then you get to second or third and all of a sudden you've got other people to take care of yes so you start putting yourself 
second or third, even though you're more experienced, but you don't always focus on yourself. Yes. Oh, good lessons. Um, so Alex, where can people find you if they want to connect with you? Um, well, currently I am at um, www.thefitspace.com and you can find us in St. Louis Park and we um, can do coaching online um, through either just like email support or phone support. Um, but we'd love to see people face to face as far as um, if you're local and can come in. We'd love to do some nutrition coaching with you. I have a, another dietitian that I work with when I say we, her name is Hannah and we are both dietitians that um, really love to dig in and support you, whether it's digestion, metabolism, thyroid health, hormone health, um, and really support, uh, support you in what you need, whether it's the pre and postpartum or other aspects of nutrition. Perfect. And Hannah's going to come on the podcast uh, in November. So she'll be on next month with, Yay, with us talking about it. So um, you'll get to, everyone will get to hear her and all of her wisdom as well. So Fair thank you, are. Alex. Yes. Yeah. So my final question though, I always like to end with throwing out a challenge to all the listeners. And then when I have a guest on, I have you throw out that challenge. So what would you like the challenge for everyone to be this week? Ooh. Okay. Um, so because I think this will have, I'm going to go with the pre and postpartum theme because this will help in any piece or any piece of the puzzle, any place of the, the timeline that you are in. I challenge you to get more veggies in or more foods with folate. So that would be asparagus, spinach, avocado, egg yolks, even. Um, so can we get in some more folate? Yeah, well, it's folic acid and synthetic, but folate is the key. Perfect. I'll write that down. Great. Well, thank you so much, Alex. It's been Thanks such a pleasure. Me. Yes. So everyone, go out there and spread your peaceful power.